This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for October 1st, 2020. What's new in the new Apple Watch? Kirk tells us about his new solo loop band, plus a look at some of the new privacy features in Safari 14. Now here are the hosts of the Intego Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm okay. You know, I looked at the news yesterday and I saw that you've still got record temperatures out there in California. Is it still、oh, in the nineties and around a hundred where you live?、Uh, yeah, frequently、um, in the nineties on a regular basis, and often over a hundred degrees. So yeah, it's it's always very warm here, especially during the summer and fall, and then even sometimes getting into the winter. It's it's hot a lot of the year. Do you have the current temperature displayed on your Apple Watch? Um, no, actually, that's not one of the things I've got on my watch face. I've got kind of the、uh, the watch face that has the date in the top left, the clock in the top right,、uh, and then in the middle, I've got my most recent workout, so I can tap on that and start a new workout. And then I've got、um, battery, stopwatch, and my rings, and on the bottom row. Okay, I always keep a temperature thing on mine just to have an idea. I mean, it's currently fourteen degrees here. Fourteen—that's about let's see, fifty high fifties, fifty-seven, fifty-eight. So it just gives me an idea of where it's going. Plus, it's it's that thing, you know, the the one that's on the corner with the curve, so you can see the bottom and the top,、um, what the low and the high are going to be. Anyway, I'm asking about the Apple Watch because this is the week of the new Apple Watch. Did you get one? I did not. <laughs> I、oh, have an Apple well, Watch Series Five, and、uh, it, there's not that many differences between the five and the six, so it wasn't really worth the upgrade for me. No, there aren't. But I got one in order to be able to tell everyone what's new in the Apple Watch Series Six. First, I want to tell you a story, though. Apple customer service. This was really interesting. So I'd ordered a watch the day it went on sale. It was supposed to arrive on Friday, the twenty fourth. And I checked the tracking information, and it showed up as being in Eindhoven in the Netherlands, and there were no scans after that. And on Friday morning, I called Apple and I said, "Listen, I think this is lost because it hasn't been scanned." So they called DHL, who was shipping it, and they found, "Yeah, they can't find the watch." And I was like, "Oh man, I got to write a review of this for next week." And the guy was like, "Okay, I'm going to take ownership of your case, and I'm going to do everything I can to help you." And Alex, which, which is his name, he found、uh, an Apple Watch available in the Apple Store that's nearest me. It's just about an hour's drive. I hadn't planned to buy a stainless steel Apple Watch, but what was available in the size I wanted, forty-four millimeter, was gold stainless steel, and I kind of like it.、Um, I've had aluminum watches since the beginning, and I've never wanted to pay more for the stainless steel. But I like it's an interesting change. Uh, now I mentioned this in my review. One thing that I noticed in my Apple Watch Five, and of all the watches that I've had, this is the first time I've noticed lots of little scratches on the screen on the display. The stainless steel has a sapphire crystal, so it's not going to scratch 
but the Series 5 did scratch. Does yours have any scratches? You, you really need to look at it with bright white on it to see them on mine. Um, yeah, I've, I've not noticed any scratches on my display. Um, there is, I guess, one sort of minor scratch that uh, if I look at it at a certain angle, I can see. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't really have scratches on my Series 5 display. Okay. I don't know how it happened, but this is the first time I've seen it. Um, so you said there's not much new. The, the main feature for me, and you know, last year when we talked about the new um, Series 5, it was the always-on display, and that was pretty much all. This year, it's a brighter display. And this brighter display is interesting because, well, we haven't had sun in a couple of days, but when we did have sun uh, out back over the weekend, I went outside, and it was a lot easier to see the display um, in the sunlight than it was on the Series 5. And another thing is there's this sort of always-on display when it's off. So if you raise your wrist, your display your display lights up. And if you put your wrist down and wait a few seconds, it goes very dim. So on the Series 6, that dim display is bright enough for you to see certain things. Hard to explain without seeing it because in particular, um, so I have a review on the um, Intego Max security blog. If you look at the photo of the watch face that I'm using there, um, you'll see that it's a circle and it's got these hands that have white outlines and black inside. When the watch is in resting state, those hands become solid whites. So they're really easy to see against the black background and the, the colored and gray circle, it kind of fades away. I can see all the complications. So it's really clever. And with other faces, it's similar. Certain things dim and certain get brighter. So you can see things more easily. So I, I guess the biggest thing about this that Apple was really pushing was that when you are out in the bright sunlight, uh, you can see the watch face a lot more easily, um, even when it's not being raised uh, in that position. Yeah, in both cases, it's it's a lot brighter. And, and in fact, sometimes... Oh, I use the little flashlight on my Apple Watch if I get up at night to go to the bathroom. And even the flashlight is a lot brighter than it was before. So I think oh. overall, the watch face is – it's partly brighter and it's partly contrast. But one thing I've noticed is that the sapphire crystal makes a display seem a bit sharper than the glass crystal. Oh, okay. I haven't done any close testing, but I've compared the two and visually um, it does look better. So the other big feature is the pulse oximeter. Pulse oximeter, we discussed this previously, it checks your level of blood oxygen. Well, it's not very reliable. <laughs> I was going to say, well, at least that's what it purports to be able to do. Yeah, that's what it purports to be able to do. Yeah. So you can check it on demand and you can also have it check in the background. When it checks in the background, it records data in the health app on your iPhone. And I'm just showing you um, the readings that I've gotten here in the past week that go from 79% to 100%. Uh -huh. Now, generally, your blood oxygen should be about 95 to 100%. 79% would be kind of level where you need to be hospitalized. Yeah. Um, and when I did my first trials – it took me a dozen times to get it to do a measurement at all. Then I got measurements like 91, 93, and 92%. Now, I happen to have a little fingertip pulse oximeter. Mm -hmm. um, I have mild asthma. And when I was diagnosed, I thought, oh, it would be good to have one of those just in case. I've never needed it. But it showed my level at 97, 98%. I'm not finding this reliable, and, and, I've, and I've put a link in my review to a Washington Post article that describes this and the Fitbit pulse oximeter as unreliable and misleading. Yeah, I, I read that article, and and then after reading your review as well, 
I, I really kind of have some doubts about whether this is actually something that can be fixed in software or whether this is really a hardware flaw that's not going to be fixable. Um, what, what I'm kind of hoping is even if it's not hardware fixable or fixable with like an update to the watch, um, I wonder if at the very least, if Apple could do something to um, at least warn you that, hey, we don't think this measurement is as reliable. And I, I know one of the things that reviews are saying is that you do often get warnings that, oh, yeah, well, we didn't get a good reading this time. And maybe that's one of the reasons why. Maybe they're trying to throw out some of the bad readings, the things that they know are not realistically what someone's actual blood oxygen level is. Well, I've got a screenshot of what the watch shows, unsuccessful measurement. It says, blood oxygen levels could not be measured. This can be caused by motion or tapping your fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, the the way a pulse oximeter works, the fingertip is it, it reads through your, your fingernail and it reads right. the, the blood in the capillaries. Um, your capillaries, I think, are a little bit deeper under your skin than in your fingernail, which is why it's more difficult. My, my problem is they're selling a, a medical device, even though it's not FDA approved or even, uh, what's the other word, cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, if it's not working, it's going to cause people more worry. If I woke up and I didn't know about this and I saw that my blood oxygen had been 79% at some point during the day, um, I'd call my doctor. I'd be worried. Um, even 80%, somewhere between 80 and 90, that's really low. It really is. This is something that um, I think I think is very important for people to know if that's the main feature that they want this for. You probably should also have a finger pulse oximeter, too, so that um, if you do get a scary reading, you can test it with a more reliable device and know whether you're actually having a problem or, or whether it's just that the watch is not measuring it accurately. Yeah, and these fingertip pulse oximeters cost about 20 bucks. Um, if you're, if my blood oxygen was 80%, I would be gasping. Um, I would be wheezing. Um, 80% is very low. It's kind of dangerous. Right. So the, the other big news was, so the Apple Watch SE, and we talked about this last week about the new watches. Um, I haven't seen the SE. It, it's pretty much a simpler edition, um, probably kind of like the Series 5 cut down the way the iPhone SE is. But I'll tell you what I like, the new solo loop bands. You'll see in the photos of my article, I bought a blue braided solo loop. Now, I'm the largest size, size 12. I have actually quite wide wrists. There have been a whole lot of issues with sizing these. Um, I've got some links to articles and uh, particularly a Mac Rumors forum thread of, I don't know, 600 posts so far, where people um, sized it with the measuring tool that's on the Apple website, and then they went to the Apple store, and the measuring tool gave them a different number. Um, John Gruber, there's a link here, took the sport bands and matched the holes in the sport bands to the size numbers, which would have been a good way for Apple to present this. Um, So when I went to the Apple store, this was interesting, the Apple store that I went to, um, it's in a shopping mall, and at, as a staging area, they were using an empty retail unit about two stores down. Um, so I went in. They all had these special Apple masks because Apple's designed their own mask. And they take your temperature. They ask you a bunch of questions. You show them the QR code for your order. Then you stand on a number. These numbers on the floor that were two meters apart. I have never been in an actual Apple store that was so uncrowded. I think there were more employees than customers because they were only letting like 10 people in at a time. I had measured to a size 11 for the solo loop. 
And the rubber solar loop, they're calling it liquid silicone rubber. It's like a big rubber band, you know, the the really thick rubber bands you can get. Um, it feels kind of strange. And a size 11 would have worked, but the braided solo loop, um, the size 12 fits almost perfectly. It's just snug enough. It's not loose. It's not tight. I mentioned last week, I really like Apple Watch bands. It's it's a waste of money at the Apple prices, but I enjoy getting a new band every year. Uh, so I really like this. No clasp. It's really easy to put on. I mean, you have to stretch it a lot. The one problem is Apple says that these will stretch over time. So I'm wondering, you know, the, you stretch it every time you put it on over your hand. Um, mm. I'm wondering how long it's going to take before it gets stretched out of shape. Right. Are you going to have to get a new one in a year just because uh, this one's already stretched out? Or? For for a $100 watch band, that would be disappointing. So I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, the thing is, I've got a number of bands and I like to switch them. So I'm not going to wear this every day. So it won't get a year's use in a year. Well, there you go. At least that's a positive thing. Well, yes, I can wear my $100 watch band for more than a year. <laughs> so they've got some new bands they're calling the Leather Link. So this is one with the, they have the current Leather Loop, which has the magnets inside the leather. And this closes without going through the hole and flipping back, kind of like the new Milanese Loop. Um, they've also got new colors. Yes, I forgot to mention new colors for the watch. You can get a red or a blue watch. And they actually look quite snazzy. If you're going to pair the red watch with a red band and the blue watch with a blue band, or maybe a complementary color, but I, I just wasn't brave enough to go for a color like that. Well, the gold one that you, that you said you got, um, it, it actually looks pretty good. There, uh, there's a nice picture of that uh, in the article, and uh, I, I think that that looks very nice, actually. Yeah, it looks more like a piece of jewelry than a wrist computer is my thought. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Safari's new privacy report and how it can tell you who's tracking you when you're using the internet. You already know that Intego loves Macs. After all, Intego has been making world-class Mac security software since 1997. But did you know that Intego Antivirus is also available for Microsoft Windows? If you've got Windows running on your Mac either in boot camp or in a virtual machine like Parallels, VMware, or VirtualBox, make sure to protect it from malware just like you protect macOS with Intego Security Software. Intego Antivirus for Windows is also a great solution for your friends and family members with Windows PCs. Download a free trial of Intego Antivirus for Windows today, and when you're ready to buy, use the link in the show notes for a special discount. Don't use Windows? Don't worry. We've still got a great deal for you. First-time buyers of Mac Premium Bundle X9 can get Intego's powerful Mac security and utility suite at an incredible 40% savings by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac and now for Windows, too. Okay, before we get to the Safari Privacy Report, um, Josh, you found a really good article that gets filed under the rubric Internet of, hmm. <laughs> yeah, Internet of Garbage. How about that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Internet of Things devices, these uh, things that uh, you can access from the Internet or using an app or whatever um, that connect to your home network and have uh, sometimes very strange functionality that you don't really need, but is kind of maybe sometimes nice to have. Well, one of these types of devices 
is a, a coffee machine. And a researcher um, just wanted to have a little bit of fun uh, with uh, with his coffee machine and test it and see whether this uh, you know web connected uh, or network connected coffee machine um, had any interesting uses. So they said that um, originally they wanted to prove that the device could mine cryptocurrency, um, which of course why not, right? Um, wh- why wouldn't you want your coffee maker to mine cryptocurrency for you? But then they said that um, they they realized that the processor was only an eight megahertz processor, so you're not really going to be able to do any significant mining. And so they they thought, okay, well, what else could we do with this thing? Ah, what about hold your coffee for ransom? <laughs> what? <laughs> So he, he he tried a bunch of different things and So wait a second, this isn't in the wild. This is just a proof of concept, right? Th- this is this is a proof of concept. Yeah, and he he does um okay. call out the brand. Uh he says this is a smarter brand ironically. Um uh, coffee maker and he says that um basically the way this thing functions um there's really no security involved and it's just not designed with security in mind, which unfortunately is kind of the case with a lot of Internet of Things devices. So um, the, the, the thing to know here is if you want to get one of these network connected devices, um, try to do a little bit of research first and and, uh, you know, try try to check it out and figure out whether it's actually going to be something that is safe to have on your network. Probably it's not that likely that somebody's going to hack your coffee machine. And, you know, and even if they did, um, most likely they're not going to be able to use that to pivot into your network and get into other things on your network. But sometimes if someone's a sophisticated attacker, they theoretically could do that. Um, it's, it would obviously be, there are much easier ways to hack into your network than, uh, hacking your coffee machine. But imagine Josh, that your coffee machine breaks and you have to send it out for repairs and the repairman is Tom Cruise and he (laughs) sends it back to you. Um, you have to remember that if this coffee machine is going onto your network, it could potentially cause problems, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it could have custom firmware, uh, it's certainly theoretically possible that someone along the way in the supply chain could have already put malicious firmware on it before it even got to you. Um, there you go. May- so maybe you bought this off of Amazon and somebody works at the Amazon warehouse, you know, or Tom Cruise gets in there and pretends to be an employee. <laughs> or you bought a refurbished unit on eBay or a used one on eBay. Mm. You know, that's yep. a good point. Should you buy any Internet of Things devices on eBay? And if you do, should you immediately do a factory reset? Um, in some cases, even if you do a factory reset, it's going to reset the settings, but not necessarily, uh, the, you know, the, the firmware. Um, so, uh, so that's another thing to consider when you're buying a device like this, you want to make sure that it does have official firmware if, if it's possible to verify that. And that is the most recent version of that firmware. Um, uh, even with home routers, it's very important to make sure that you keep that firmware up to date and that you're buying a product in the first place that is still being updated by the manufacturer. 
We recently mentioned that Apple updated Safari on the Mac to version 14, and they did this to correspond to iOS 14, in part because of this new feature we're going to discuss. Um, Originally, Safari 14 would not have come out until macOS Big Sur is released, which we think is going to be out in about two weeks. So there's this interesting tool called the Privacy Report. Now, to see this, uh, if you're in your Safari browser on any website, up in the toolbar next to the address field, you'll see a sort of a shield. And if you click it, you'll see a number, the name of the website, and the number of trackers that Safari prevented from profiling you. If you want to see the full privacy report, click the little eye icon on the top right of that pop-up menu, and you'll get a window. In my case, um, so we're going to link to an article on the Intego Mac security blog. I've been doing a lot of testing in order to get big numbers here. So what I see is in the last 30 days, 213 trackers have been prevented from profiling me, and DoubleClick.net was prevented from profiling me across 171 websites. 171, that's a lot. DoubleClick.net, this is Google. Initially, it was a company called DoubleClick that Google bought out many years ago. Now, if you look at the screenshot in my article, you'll see that one website, GamesRadar.com, had 68 trackers. If you look in that list, a number of them are British, I live in the UK, if you don't know that, a number of them are British newspapers and local newspapers like the Belfast Telegraph, the Reddit Advertiser, and the Birmingham Mail. And you'll see as many as 30 or 40 trackers from some of these newspapers. It's really surprising to see how many there are. And if you you click uh, the disclosure triangle next to any one of the websites in the list, you can see the names of the trackers. It's really quite stunning. Now, it is worth pointing out here that it this doesn't necessarily in every case mean that the site is trying to use 68 trackers or whatever to try to track you. Often, some of the things that are being uh, prevented from profiling you by intelligent tracking prevention by this Apple technology, some of these things are, for example... Um, a like button or a follow button, something that integrates with uh, with a social network, for example, to make it easy for you to, to share or follow a company or things like that. So it's not even necessarily that it's the website itself that's trying to track you. It, it may in some cases just be that um, Apple is trying to prevent, for example, that social network from being able to profile you. And so there's, there's um, a little bit of a distinction there. Now, I don't understand why any website needs 68 <laughs> trackers. That, yeah. that seems uh, pretty extreme. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is it, very interesting to see, though, the numbers that show up here. Um, what's also kind of interesting is the Apple's approach to this. So where a lot of ad blockers and tracker blockers will actually remove the, the, the content from, uh, from the page or prevent it from loading in the first place. Generally, it looks like what Apple is doing here is that they may allow the content to load, but Apple is preventing those companies from being able to look at your third-party cookies, for example, and, uh, and track you from site to site. Now, Kirk, you, you mentioned earlier before we were recording about some interesting thing that you had tested with Discuss, which is a comment system that we use on the Intego Mac Security blog, and you use it on your Next Track podcast as well, right? 
Yeah. So what I did is I logged in to discuss on the Intego Mac security blog. And as you say, we use this for comments. We've been using it for a long time. And then I went to load the Next Track website, which is my music podcast, which has discussed comments, and it didn't show that I was logged in. So Safari is essentially containerizing websites when pages are tabs, that even though this is the same time uh, in Safari in two different tabs, uh, it's not allowing this data to be read so the company knows I'm logged in, which means essentially it's not blocking trackers entirely, which could break websites, prevent them from loading. It's allowing all this to be loaded, but it's just not allowing the trackers to get all of this data. Um, this gets a little bit complicated, the details. And if you read my article on the Intego Mac security blog, um, particularly there's a link to an article by a developer called Simo Ahava. He explains a great deal about the um, nitty gritty of how this works in the background. Just to mention, if you're not on the Mac, you can do this in Safari on iOS. It has to be iOS 14. Uh, load a website, tap the little AA button in the address bar, and then tap privacy report, and you'll see a smaller dialog which shows similar things. Now, Apple doesn't aggregate this data across devices like they do with screen time. And I almost wish there was an option to say, take all the data from my Mac, my iPhone, my iPad, and show me all of this in one place. I'd like to see that in the future. We generally don't necessarily visit the same websites on different devices. At least I don't. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I guess uh, I guess I could say that's probably true for me, too. There's kind of a different set of websites that I typically visit on my phone versus when I'm uh, sitting at a computer. So, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. So on the privacy report, you have two tabs. One is the websites and one is trackers. And so we saw that, you know, one website had uh, 68 trackers. And if you click the trackers tab, you'll see, for example, all the doubleclick.net and Google Analytics and Facebook and Amazon and Twitter. And if you click a disclosure triangle, you'll see which sites are using them. Now, for most of these trackers, they're, the most popular ones are used by a lot of sites. Um, but if you've heard that there's one in particular that might be doing things a little nefarious, um, you can look up the tracker and you can see which sites are using this. Um, I'm just going to give an example. Outbrain is one of these services where you get these little bricks at the bottom of a web page with these um, clickbait articles. And it'll often be like, mothers in London have discovered this hack that they don't want you to know about. And they're trying to localize you and they're trying to – and so I can see the, the the different websites that are using Outbrain, which might be websites that I wouldn't want to visit because I find that a pretty skeevy type of thing to put on websites. And that's an interesting point. Um, I, I like that Apple gives a couple different ways of looking at this. You can look at the, the list of websites and sort by the number of trackers. You can sort by – um, the the website address, and then you can go to the trackers tab and, and you can take a look at which trackers are the most common. It's nice that there's a couple of different ways of looking at this data. It's it's worth noting that this is really only over the last 30 days. So there's no way to, uh, to find any data from prior to 30 days. Um, of course, you know, the Safari 14 is brand new. And so um, <laughs> that's not such a big deal right now, but it would maybe be kind of interesting to see um, over time what trackers are falling in and out of favor and and trying to uh, to track you across websites. Um, but anyway, that's another feature that I think it would be fun for Apple to add at some point. 
Yeah, I agree. Because when we get to a year, um, you'd want to know that there are 7,000 trackers that have been prevented from profiling you. I think it's a good data point to, to see how efficient this feature is. In fact, the, the usefulness of this feature is demonstrated by the number um, of trackers that it blocks, well, prevents from profiling you. Interestingly, only 76% of websites contacted trackers in my test here. So that means one quarter of websites don't use trackers. A tracker is not a first-party cookie. So if I'm logged in on the Apple website to my uh, online store account, that's using a, an Apple cookie. It's not a cookie that's being shared with other websites. So that won't show up. If I'm logged in on my own website, the cookies that are used for the settings, the particular things I want to see on the website, won't show up either. But that only means that a quarter of websites aren't using any trackers. And if you go to the Apple website, it doesn't have any trackers. Um, Intego does have a few for sharing buttons, for discuss comments, et cetera. Um, and Intego uses Google Analytics like an awful lot of websites do to get reliable analytics data. Right. Almost every website really <laughs> uses Google Analytics. That's one that you'll see a lot uh, showing up under your trackers list. Okay. I think that's enough for now. Um, we are... Planning on hearing more about the iPhone within the next two weeks, about when it's going to be released. We're suspicious of macOS Big Sur being released very soon. Um, we remember last year, I think the Gold Master, so that's the final version, came out on a Thursday and, and it was released to the public on Monday. As we saw with iOS 14, it was announced, oh, by the way, uh, it's available tomorrow, which, you know, developers were a bit caught short with. So I think in the next week or two, we're going to have a lot of new stuff to talk about. That's true. In fact, the last couple of developer betas have have come out only a week apart from each other, um, which is usually what happens just before Apple releases the final uh, Gold Master version, uh, which ultimately uh, is released to the public then. So yeah, it's right around the corner. Surely within the next couple of weeks, um, we'll have Big Sur and a lot to talk about. Okay, Josh, until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com